You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 Network. You're listening to episode 333, and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. We have another guest making their second appearance. Ken Collins is an AWS serverless hero and principal engineer at Custom Inc., where he focuses on growing their DevOps culture within the e-commerce teams. Custom Inc. is approaching its 20th year in business and is entering its second phase of cloud adoption, where he helps a growing platform technology team succeed using AWS-first, well-architected patterns. With a love for the Ruby programming language and serverless, Ken continues his open-source Rails career by focusing on solutions that leverage AWS Lambda with Rails using a gem called Lambi. Ken lives near Norfolk, Virginia, and organizes the area's 757th Ruby user group. Welcome back to the show, Ken. I'm really glad to be here, Brittany. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me back. It's always great to have you. So, Ken, it's been a bit since we had you on the show last time. Mm -hmm. So instead of getting into your developer origin story, what is your cloud origin story? That's uh, fairly more recent and I think a little bit more interesting, too. The uh, I believe it started about... Um, I'm going to guess about almost two years ago. Uh, I've been a staff engineer or principal engineer for about that long. And one of the directors at Custom Inc. said, you know what? We've had some uh, minor successes uh, and or probably really good successes using Lambda. It's only used in a couple of places in our infrastructure. And he thought that that would be a good project for me to work on. So it was oddly about the... 10th year I was as a programmer, you know, I am sort of self-taught in this industry coming from, um, you know, a non-engineering background. And I think about 10 years is where I was at uh, when this sort of like pivot or at least this particular one task came to me. And, you know, I kind of thought it was a neat idea and I I don't know if I did it intentionally or not, but I feel like once you kind of get to 10 years, that's really sort of where you maybe master your skill set. And I was looking to become really dumb again. Uh, If you would have asked me if I knew the cloud, I would have held my suspenders and said, I have an S3 bucket. I know how to use the cloud. And I really didn't. (laughs) And this is a really good excuse to, to get into it and figure out what was going on with this Lambda stuff. Wow. So how did you get started? Did you know right, right off the bat that you were going to go after AWS or did you take a look at the na- the landscape first? Well, it, we were lucky enough at Custom Inc. We had a, a brilliant engineer named Hunter Madison and he uh, he had, we're actually mentioned on AWS's uh, Lambda testimonials page from the work he had done. And I think one of the use cases that you may have seen early on with Lambda is you have this really amazing power of on-demand compute. And when you're a growing company like Custom Inc., there's going to be a lot of infrastructure that is showing its age, where you think back to stories maybe like Twitter or GitHub. Uh, Custom Inc. is sort of very similar in that as things sort of grow, you get this benefit of figuring out where to optimize things. And one of them was with our clip art rendering path. And Hunter had taken the opportunity to extract uh, logic from a Rails app and pull that into AWS Lambda uh, at that time Node was the uh, the language preferred language to do that in, and just sort of pulled out this hyper performance section that really needed to be optimized uh, using image magic to get these uh, uh, resizing of the clip art done, and it saved us. Uh, you know, a lot of times switching to stuff like that would save you money. It certainly saved us a lot of money on our AWS bill for that one particular service, um, but we just kind of knew there was more there. So that was uh, repeating that success was 
where I set my sights on it. It was a, I didn't have to make a lot of decisions. I just wanted to find out how he did that, how I could make it better, and where I could sort of like learn everything about AWS Lambda and sort of go outward from there. That's great. So when you were last on the podcast, you were super pro AWS Lambda at the time, but that was almost nearly two years ago. Mm -hmm. So what has changed in your world since we last spoke? Well, I'm now an AWS serverless hero, and that's super exciting. I'm pretty honored about that. And uh, there's a lot more tools that we've written since then. So I think uh, Custom Make itself, we've moved to a, a lot more Lambda in our infrastructure. Uh, we have a lot more open source tools to help other people do similar things that we have done. And uh, I now know a lot more about Lambda and sort of the ecosystem of AWS as it sort of sprawls outward from there, which was really the intent, right? Like when you move to this sort of DevOps practice, the idea isn't just say, hey, how can you write Lambdas over and over again? The the bet on what is happening here is, is that uh, we want engineers to be more understanding of all the tool sets that are available to them and a certain cloud provider, in our case, AWS, and then make really good use of them. So I want to dive into the whole idea of you being, uh, let me start over again on that one. So I want to dive into you being selected as an AWS hero. Now this podcast doesn't use sound effects, but if I did, my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> because I only have a mild appreciation for celebrities, but when I saw you got selected, I was so excited for you. So can you walk me through like how you found out? Did you have to apply for it or is it something that they approached you with? It was, uh, it was approached and, um, you know, it was just a, an email in my inbox that had this uh, really big lettering at the top, you know, uh, will you be our hero? And I get nervous to this day <laughs> thinking about it because I was like, what if I accidentally deleted that email? Like, what would have happened, right? Like, you know, it almost looked like spam at first, but then I, I kind of cut it a couple side glances and I was just I was like, whoa, this is how it happens? I was like, yes, I would love to. And I mean, I... I knew I always wanted to be a serverless here. I went to uh, serverless conf and I believe in 2019 and that was up in New York around October, I think. And I remember just meeting all these people that I follow on Twitter and just going, I, I, I want to do this stuff. I want to do this stuff. And I probably bent more ears from everybody from like say Chris Munns to maybe Emily Shea, who's a, uh, a business development manager at AWS cloud to, you know, good people like, uh, uh uh, Farah, uh, who works at Stackery and stuff like that. And and now I get to hang out with these people every now and then, you know, in these AWS serverless hero calls. And it's just, uh, you know, it's a real honor. And, and when I'm still on the call, I'm overly excited because, uh, you know, I'll get to mention something that I've done for my first time that maybe we think all serverless heroes do that maybe was just new to me. And I'm just over the roof about it and it's, it's really exciting it is really exciting and so well deserved so we'll definitely plug ken's twitter towards the end of the show but i do follow ken and he posts a lot of great content and the other day i saw him tweet out good day today been heads down most of the week moving a five-year-old rails application extraction of a 10-year-old rails app to aws lambda using lambi our entire design proof rendering system is now 100% serverless with a mix of Node and Rails. So, Ken, can you break that down for me? Like, what is the story around that? Yeah, and it's it's going to get better over time. I think, um, uh, you know, again, I'll, I'll frame this around the, the concept that uh, 
if you're a type of person who likes to make things better, whether that be the world or engineering or anything like that, uh, Custom Ink is one of these great companies that you get to do that with, right? There's no academic on where to optimize or, you know, what not to optimize because you don't know what, right? Like we, we're a successful company and it's really easy to see our pain points. Uh, our customers have let us know what to do in, in a lot of ways. So the, uh, uh, we had a monolith uh, that goes back many, many years. I think it was Rails 1 way back in the day. And uh, it has grown and grown and grown and we've steadily been understanding which pieces to pull out of it. And one piece that got pulled out about five years ago was all the image magic needed to hit our different uh, design services for fonts, uh, clip art, user uploads, uh, and assemble them into a design and then ultimately compose that design on a product image like a t-shirt or a hoodie or what have you. And uh, that involves talking to three or four key other services and that was extracted out into its own Rails application on EC2. And when I came into AWS Lambda, one of my things that I really like to do is looking at architectural systems and trying to break them up into logical chunks. And one of the interesting things, I think a guy named Brad Frost, who I follow on Twitter, uh, came up with a thing called like a, uh, atomic design principles for design systems. And I, you know, I always approach being a designer in the past, a lot of engineering problems from a design perspective on, um, to me, it just looks like good design, but I guess there's probably computer science terms that describe these things as well, like single responsibility and, and other things. So I decided to move about two or three services around. You know, I changed like the, the design rendering aspect into its own service so that you can compose designs uh, with different services you know, and different things rather than just around a general proof system. Uh, the proof that left the proof system left over in Rails, which was that extracted five-year app. Uh, the node stuff was a lot of the... Uh, uh, the composition where it took the design and put it on the products because you know the product service knew the bounding boxes and the constraints of where that logic held so it logically held that logic and then uh, you know just slowly over years just building more things out extracting them and and building these uh, these lambdas and it's it's just been really fun that's great and I am definitely going to steal the phrase it logically held that logic from you <laughs> Yeah. And mean, I've even tempted to name the episode that. Yeah, they say as you get better at, um, you know, as you become sort of more adept at your skill, you also lose a lot of the empathy on describing the leaps of logic that your brain may make to get to a certain thing. And I, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a skill to be able for those that teach. And this is why I like to write blog posts or to, to sort of code in the public because it forces me to reconcile. Uh, the language that I may say quickly and re-describe it, you know, like, a, you know, in very simple, basic terms. But I think single responsibility goes well. And um, there's, there's lots of fun ones. But not being a computer science degree person, I, I just pick lots of adjectives and go with it. I'm in the same boat, so I'm with you. <laughs> so I'm curious, does everyone at Custom Inc., are they well-versed in the idea that you've created this library called Lambie and that you use it? Is it something that custom ink is proud that they have out there in the community absolutely um you know our directors uh the ones that i work for they they love it to death uh they support all the work that i do uh but custom ink is probably like a lot of other companies where you have a lot of people in there uh we certainly have a a group of uh of sort of ops dev folks or devops folks who are working on Kubernetes and container strategies. And you have different departments within custom ink from e-commerce to operational aspects. So the, uh, 
you know, we know it's out there, it's out there, but there's still a lot of socializing to do with inside of the company and, uh, and looking for opportunities to sort of work with other teams and sort of evangelize, you know, in, inside the company, which is just as hard as outside. Absolutely. How are the, how's the contributions been looking so far? Is I'm assuming the majority of it is still you and Custom Inc., mm-hmm. but are you starting to see some interactions from the community? Um, no, not really. Most of it is still me, but there is a, a couple of pull requests that came in where one individual helped uh, sort of derailsify the project and made it work because uh, in theory it's built on top of rack. So they allowed it to, they separated active support, made sure that you could use it with say a Sinatra app or any other sort of lower level rack application, but mostly me. No, that's great. I mean, I would definitely recommend to our listeners, of course, we'll link it up in the show notes. If you haven't tried Lamb B for yourself, I know I have, and I've already converted some of my functions using it. Definitely do that. Um, so I'm curious, you know, when we last spoke, of course, the pandemic was not happening. So I'm curious how Custom Inc. around the engineering department has adjusted during the pandemic. How is working from home and how has that changed the business? Well, thank you for asking that. It's a it's a very personal story, I think, what everybody else has done. And, you know, luckily for us, um, maybe like other companies, you know, we sort of, uh, and this was published, I believe, in one of the Washington Post, so it's not private, but, you know, we went through a a hard furlough when things settled in first. We had a lot of our, our workforce gone. And, and you got to think, um, if you don't know, custom makers, we're not just engineers. Most of our company is not engineering. We, we have large production facilities in Texas and in Reno. Uh, so most of those roles, everything from artists to production floors, I think we had upwards of 2,000 employees. And, you know, we just had to shrink back and just furlough like a lot of our workforce. But we grew it completely back, right? We kept all the engineers in place. Uh, we did some amazing work with very few resources and kept the business going. You know, at first we thought it was just going to be the lights on and then we got everything up and running. And I think we hired almost all of our workforce back at, from furlough. Um, but from sort of my view from the engineering team, it's been amazing. And if you know the listeners don't know, ever since I've been a programmer, I've always been remote. You know, so to me, this occupation that I've chosen is very much sort of remote first, right? Um, I live in Norfolk and uh, Custom Inc. is up in Fairfax. So that's about two and a half hours or three hours uh, driving really fast away from me. But now everybody over the past many months, I, I don't even know how many days or weeks this has all been. It's all blurs together, but everybody works from home. And, you know, there are people that rightly so maybe have kids and, and it's really hard to sort of work from home and not everybody was set up as well as I was to sort of adapt at that. But we've been doing it and it's and it's been great. And I've found, you know, for me, I've, I've coped by making my office a little bit more like the office I would go to and visit. So I changed my desk to a standing desk. I've gotten a nice camera and a microphone stand. And um, I'm just make I'm just turning into the type of person that's, you know, I was always remote and I always had to be uh, the one that was the odd person out in the meeting to be sort of accommodated for. And, and now we're all on this level foot and people didn't know if it would work, but we kind of like it now. <laughs> I don't think we're going back, right? Like the office will open up, but I, I don't know how many people will go back off and we, we, we love to be together and, and hang out. But um, I think a lot of people like this work from home thing. I certainly do. I've mentioned this on the podcast already, but I was definitely apprehensive when the, you know, the pandemic started and we all got sent home, but I have absolutely gelled with it. And I really do like the idea that we are all on the same foot. Everybody's remote. So you just, I think you become a better communicator 
And so, yes, you definitely want to invest into a good work from home situation. You want to have a special place in your house that you're going to be working from home. But I'm really glad to hear that it's working well for you and your team. Yeah, I think we just really like it a lot. And uh, it's it's really stepped up our video game and having everybody, uh, you know, be a little box on the monitor is, is certainly helpful from my side. And I just feel like, um, you know, I, I can't wait to go back up to the office to see my friends again and to and just to hang out. You know, we are a company that's founded on bringing people together uh, with T-shirts, but and, it, and it's hard for us not to be together. Absolutely. So I know that you have some strong opinions on this, so I'm looking forward to asking this. Okay. What are your thoughts on the future of the Ruby and Rails communities? Yeah, so that is, um, that's interesting. I, you know, people don't talk, or at least they say that people don't talk about Rails and stuff a lot. I think it's an amazing technology. It's going to be out there to stay. Um, you know, I am well versed in JavaScript and a few other languages, and I, I always come back to uh, to Ruby and specifically Rails for solving problems. Um, I'm, I'm finding out more and more as I get into Lambda and those runtimes are available that things that I would have commonly reached for Node for just because you think Node would be better, those tools are available in Ruby, right? So like uh, image processing, uh, big interest of mine. I used uh, a library called sharp.js on Node and, and that binds to a package called libvips but you can have foreign function interface libvips right from Ruby with the C extensions and it's just as fast. In fact, I think I'm gonna do a benchmark one day to just so people see Ruby and Node on equal footing. Um, you know, if Ruby's good, then Rails is better, <laughs> right? There's certain problems you don't have to solve. And I think uh, if indeed the future is going to hold um, a lot of things where people are programming the cloud in interesting ways, and if a lot of those interesting ways end up being over HTTP, then I think Rails is going to live for a long time enough to service that because Rails inside of Lambda makes that really easy. Are there any specific technologies around the Ruby and Rails communities that you think we should be betting on? Hmm. Well, in a weird way, I'm almost betting on the stuff that is now is what works really well, right? So. Um, Databases of uh, Lambda is now at the point to where you can use a relational database uh, without penalty in AWS Lambda. So that opens up MySQL, Postgres, and all the things that you would do normally, and Rails doesn't have to care, which I think is speaks well to the framework, right? The more that uh, it can be used without you having to sort of adapt and think. Now, I do advocate that when people pick up Lambda, you don't try to bend it too much to your will. The The play that I'm making here is, is that once you get Rails inside of Lambda, it forces you to learn about the other things that you do well. So for example, what you may not see me ever do in Rails is use gems like Carrier Wave or the old Paperclip, right? I would use native S3 events and and, and a microservice that would do like the image processing and uh, you know size variants and stuff like that. So like uh, things like active storage for me are kind of like vestigial when they're moved natively into the AWS ecosystem. Uh, but everything else I've been able to port over just well. Uh, some things require being reimaginated, like um, how you might do background jobs. And there's certainly a post on the, uh, the Lambie website that sort of breaks out how you use Lambda itself not only from an HTTP perspective, but from a job system perspective, so with SQS. And uh, 
that's really interesting. But Rails, again, doesn't really have to care about that, uh, just how you sort of architect the solutions. So in general, I, I think... Um, I think Rails is doing good. I can't really say any one thing that I'd like to see them do uh, that would make my job better. That's great that the the whole paperclip to active storage didn't trip you up at all because you already had that built within AWS. So that that's great. So I appreciate you sharing your opinions on that. So I also want to ask you, what are your thoughts on the future of the AWS community since they turn out so many different services each year? Yeah, it's got to be big. Um, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of the heroes, uh, whether they be data heroes or uh, community heroes, that I haven't really got to meet yet. They've even started a new community builders program, which is sort of like a uh, a broader initiative of community members. Um, and you know, like a lot of the hero group and the community builder group that I'm a part of, we've sort of adopted uh, a space inside of the Dev uh, uh, blog space and. Uh, you know, I think AWS, if they're doing one thing really well, and I think, you know, probably Microsoft and others do this as well as too, is just fostering that community. There are people that are excited about technology. There are certain people that are excited about sharing it. And it certainly meant a lot to me when they, you know, said, hey, we, we see you. What can we do to help you do more of what you do? And uh, any type of company that can do that, be it Microsoft or AWS, I think they're just doing really well. So Ken, how can listeners follow you? Uh, so mostly I'm Metaskills on uh, most platforms. So on Twitter, it would be Metaskills. Uh, we do also have Custom Inc. Tech on Twitter. Uh, I'm uh, Metaskills on Dev.2 and as well as GitHub. So I can put links to that stuff too. Fantastic. I will add all of that to the show notes. Ken, it is always so great to catch up with you. And of course, we'll have you on a future episode. I just want to let you know that we are thrilled for you to be named as an AWS hero. Oh, I appreciate us, that. You are also a Ruby hero. So thank you, Ken. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brittany. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 network. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review and thank you for listening.